Occupy a Job on Wall Street is an autobiographical novel about New York City in the aughts, centering around a protagonist mentored by sociopaths. Episode 84, A Question of Authority. Before we begin, I'd like to briefly outline two theories. The first is known as Farr's Law. This was a fairly obscure observation by a doctor that epidemic events rise and fall in a roughly symmetrical pattern. Also, that the death rate is a fact. Infections or hospitalizations or anything beyond the mortality are an inference ultimately to be put aside. But the key thing to know is what goes up must come down. The second is the male variability IQ hypothesis. This is an unfashionable area of study now, but essentially posits that while men and women have the same average IQ, the distribution curve for men is much flatter. To rephrase it, both men and women have an average IQ of 100, a moving target by generation, but there is a greater percentage of men below 80 and above 120. If true, this would be an adequate explanation for why men make up over 90% of the prisoners in our penal system, as well as around 97% of Nobel laureates. So to summarize both theories, what goes up must come down, and small changes at the edge can make big changes in the aggregate. On with the story. I used to know a couple of guys on Wall Street. Let's call them Tweedledee and Tweedledum. These two traders ran a family office before it was fashionable to do so, and they weren't conservative about hiring people to help either. I visited their office once, and it was like walking into the Star Wars bar. Like the professionals they were, the two of them never discussed their investors, but I suspect they were made up of some second or third generation car dealership empires, people who had stumbled into wealth and knew when to play with some of their good fortune at America's greatest casino. The reason they were such a remarkable pair was you couldn't have chosen two different people to manage a portfolio together. Tweedledee was your classic Boston Brahmin Wall Street type, pale male and Yale, super intelligent, detail-oriented, and obsessed with finance. He had a perfect head of hair and a charming smile. One minute he'd be throwing around terms like duration, DVO1, and convexity, things of such stupefying density they were beyond practical human comprehension. Then he'd be debating the merits of asymmetrical spinnakers on sloops versus cutters. Despite being so overtly a renaissance man, he'd gone ahead and organized his fund by race. Irish and Latins would sell and structure. Chinese, Indians, and Eastern Europeans would trade and model. But wasps like him had to run the shop. Tweedledum, on the other hand, was quite frankly as dumb as a box of rocks. Half as talented, a quarter as likable, and when it came to markets, twice as effective. Oddly, the thing I remember most about this guy was he used to work for Leon Cooperman, and that the legendary investor had a second computer the SEC never knew about. But wait for it. The only way you could see what was on the screen was to put your head in a box like an ostrich. It was rumored that Tweedledee brought Tweedledum back onto Wall Street after hearing about his retirement party, where he drove a Porsche that was leased as a part of his compensation package through the plate glass window of the firm's lobby, locked the doors, set off the alarm and security system, then walked down the street and dropped his keys into a drain. Their hedge fund had an intriguing management structure. In order to make an investment, both Tweedledee and Tweedledum had to agree on it. No agreement, no order. And if the investment was made, there was a built-in conservatism to the setup, inasmuch as the size of the order could be no larger than the most cautious of the two. Tweedledee was a genius, structured and disciplined, a man of the system. Tweedledum was a blue-collar thug who had stumbled his way onto Wall Street with a practical view on how things in life really played out. 
This odd system worked remarkably well for some time. They started off as a small fund buying puts on Cisco in 2001 and therefore had money to spend as a considerably bigger fund on the cyclical sector in 2003. A heavy slate of financial exposure in 2005 then gave them house money to spend on CDS in 2008. Flat was the new up during the financial crisis and that trade capped off a decade of outperformance for the fund. But then came the virus. In early 2009, the WHO declared the first pandemic since the 1968 Hong Kong flu. The H1N1 virus seemed different from the seasonal flu in many ways, but primarily because it appeared to cause pulmonary embolism, or blockages in the lungs. A terrifying way to die. You'd start off with shortness of breath and chest pain, then cough up blood and basically drown in your own fluids. As early as 2009, President Obama officially declared H1N1 a public health emergency. That year, Tweedledee immersed himself in epidemiology. In particular, he followed the analysis of Professor Neil Ferguson in the Imperial College of London. That year, Ferguson predicted swine flu would have a case fatality rate as high as 1.5%, or that 4.6 million Americans would die of it. Unmitigated, that would be a disaster. The hospitals would be overwhelmed. Healthcare workers would die in their thousands. The global economy would fall into a death spiral. Already, there were photos in the press of hospitals being forced to use parking lots as treatment zones as the infection curve pushed them beyond their capacity. Tweedledee saw a catastrophe in the making. He determined the office should severely restrict normal activity, all employees must wear masks and protective gear, they were to sell all their investments and short the S&P to profit from the mayhem that was surely to follow. Fortunately, both Obama and Tweedledum kept their heads and didn't panic. They assessed the risks, made some specific necessary adjustments, avoided large horizontal interdictions that might have made the cure worse than the disease, and moved on to more pressing matters. I suggest you do the same. Episode 85 of Occupy a Job on Wall Street will be out soon. And be careful what you decide to do this year, because you'll have a hard time stopping to do it.